Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, everyone. Have you ever wondered, how can I make my business more profitable, more efficient, uh, create an environment for my technicians and my CSRs that they enjoy coming to uh, as, a, as a healthy business and, and really how to create a thriving business environment so that I can scale, get that time back that I want, maybe make some more money? Well, today we're joined by Tom Peregrino from Service Nation uh, Alliance Premier, and we are going to talk about just that. So here we go. Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. Powered by Rival Digital. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders and become equipped with the tools and knowledge you need to build a world-class business. Now, here's your host, Eric Thomas. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great Wednesday so far. Uh, and is hopefully this weather is breaking for you. Uh, a little bit sooner rather than later, because I know a lot of contractors out there have been really struggling with some of the shoulder season stuff. So uh, today's guest is uh, Tom Peregrino from Service Nation. He's got an awesome background in the industry, ton of knowledge to share, and I'm super excited to have him on the show with us. So Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to be with you, Eric. Absolutely. So, Tom, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners out there and tell them about your uh, your history in this industry. Sure, no problem. So I was a contractor for the last uh, 21 years, but uh, before I became a, a, an owner operator, you go back to 1996 and in 1996, uh, my second child was coming along and uh, children are expensive. Uh, I had no idea how expensive they were. And so when our second daughter came along, I told my wife, I said, Hey, I got to get out of this job that I'm at. I need to make some more money. And so I answered the ad back in 96 for a comfort consultant position. And that began my journey in uh, the service industries. So I was a comfort consultant from 96 to 2000. And then in 2000, uh, one of uh, my close friends that was uh, a service tech in that organization, he said, hey, I'm going to start my own company. And he said, hey, do you want to join me? And I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. So in 2000, he started his own uh, HVAC company outside of uh, Fort Worth here in Texas. And we just started building the organization. And I had an opportunity to become uh, a partner with him over time. He was very, very generous. And so as the years cranked along around 2009, he said, hey, Tom, I'm thinking about selling. I'm thinking about retiring. Do you want to go ahead and buy me out? And I'm like, yeah. I want to go and buy you out. So in around 2010, I took the reins from him and we just took off. We just continued to grow, 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 grow. Um, and fast forward to a couple of years ago, uh, my partner, which was his nephew, that may sound a little complicated, but uh, his nephew stayed on board with me, you know, uh, when we originally bought it from uh, the founder and then I went to him and said, hey, I think I'm ready to sell. Do you want to go ahead and buy me out? And so we just kind of repeated the process. And so in 2021, last year, uh, we wrapped up the sell 
or my sell of what I owned of the company. I owned 85% of the company at that time. And uh, my partner uh, bought me out and I had the opportunity to go to the next phase of my career, which is working with Service Nation, building their Alliance Premier coaching and training platform. And we're, we're about three months into the launch of that program. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's doing really well. Yeah, let, let, let's go ahead and, and dig into that a little bit, because, you know, there are a lot of options out there when it comes to coaching and training. And it seems like with each passing year, more uh, coaching programs and different training programs come, you know, to the surface. So uh, what are some differentiators about Alliance Premier that kind of helps it stand out against some of the other options out there? No, that's a really good question. And we did a lot of work behind the scenes in terms of surveying contractors to see what their experiences were with coaching and training uh, services. Now, keep in mind, Service Nation provides a lot of coaching and training services already, but we knew that we needed to take it to the next level. We knew we needed to become very hyper-focused on intense coaching and training for contractors and their managers. And so between surveys and focus groups, we identified, oh, here's how we can make it better and here's how we can make it different. So one of the things that differentiate us in Alliance Premier is my 26 coaches are all contractors. They've all been in the trenches. They've all built their businesses. Many, many are still operating successful businesses. Some had the opportunity to sell in the past, but they've got the heart of coaches. They've got the heart of teachers. And so the, the benefits we're providing are current day. You can apply it immediately into your business. And so I think that's a big difference is when all the coaches have owned businesses. They've been where other owners have been. And so they can really deliver high impact training and coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's super important to have a coach of some sort. You know, it's one of those things where you don't really want to owning and operating a business can be, it can be kind of stressful. It can be a lot sometimes because you know, there's so many moving parts. There's so much that goes into running a business in any industry, but, you know, contracting in particular, uh, because so many of these business owners started off as technicians. Um, as you know, we get, we had do have a lot of listeners out there who are technicians and they're incredible technicians and they're great comfort advisors and they're great, you know, CSRs and dispatchers. And then, so they got the, the technical side of the trade down, but maybe not so much the, the P and L statement side and understanding uh, EBITDA and marketing and, how to manage people. Um, so I think it's super important to have that, you know, not just for accountability, uh, but just for guidance in general. Eric, you're absolutely right. It, uh, you're reminding me of a conversation I had with one of my members just yesterday. You know, we were uh, visiting with him, getting the process started with working with him. And I'd mentioned to my, uh, this member, you, you need to understand that you are, a, you are just like a professional athlete. The responsibilities, the burdens you have, and what you need to achieve in your organization is exactly the same that Olympic athletes have to achieve. It's the same thing that a professional golfer, the burdens and the responsibilities and the rewards that they can look forward to have to. And guess what? Every professional athlete 
And in any industry has, they have a coach, Mm -hmm. they have mentors, they have people that are working with them on a day-to-day basis to, to your point, to fill in all the gaps, to identify the blind spots. You know, they may have one specific strength if they grew up through the service department, but now if they're considering starting their own company, man, that's a whole different ball. That's a whole different game. Mm-hmm. And so that's when it becomes key to having a professional coach, especially a contractor that has been where they're getting ready to go mm-hmm. or is getting, you know, if you have an existing contractor that is doing, in, uh, that wants a, a professional coach and is ready to go to the next level, pairing up with a mentor slash coach that can get them to that next level. Mm-hmm. I wish we had done that in the beginning years ago we were you know me and my partner back in 2000 all the way to about 2014 so for 14 years we were the typical contractor that mainly just said hey we'll figure it out mm-hmm. we'll we'll attend this little webinar and we'll go to a little breakout session and we'll read a book and it wasn't until 2014 when we partnered with our own coaches that we worked with for six straight years, for for six straight years, starting in 2014, we had a business coach that helped us rapidly get to the level we needed to get, accomplish our goals much faster, put out the fires, work on the projects. It it was a game changer. And Mm -hmm. so Building Alliance Premier is near and dear to my heart because I know the difference that one-on-one coaching did in my organization. And now I've got the ability to offer that to anybody and everybody. Yeah. So in retrospect, during that 14 year period, when you had no coaching and no guidance or really anything like that, what was the biggest challenge that you all faced? Everything. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing. When you don't have a coach, Part of the problem is you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You you have your knowledge in your head and you think, well, this is, I know everything that's in my head, but there's so much else that could be known. And so one of the challenges we had is we thought we were just kind of doing everything the way everybody else does. And we didn't know that there was much better ways to do it much more effective, much more efficient, and ultimately much more profitable way to operate a business. But there's so many different types of resources out there. I remember, you know, for the first 14 years, it was overwhelming. You know, there's all these services and all these resources that are available. But what we needed was customized help, help us right now where we're at in our organization. What do we need to do to fix the different departments? What do we need to do to move the needle? You know, what what is it going to take? And so that's the nice thing about mentor, uh, you know, a mentor slash coach is they're able to help us exactly where we're at with what exactly what we need at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's something like I see a lot of these Facebook groups where people will go in there and present a singular issue or something they're facing. And it's great that there's so many people out there that are willing to, you know, provide their feedback and their suggestions on what they've done. But 
you know, each business is different. Each market is different. The challenges that a contractor faces in Fort Worth are much different than a contractor in uh, Weymouth, Massachusetts, or Quebec, or Miami, uh, because of population size, weather, the local economy, you name it. Uh, and so that's where I think it's really good to have that someone can come in and be like, all right, here's your strengths. Those are fine. We'll make those stronger. Here's your weaknesses. Like here's your exactly where you need your help at and get that customized support for your weaknesses for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not uncommon, Eric, when we're working with our members that immediately in the onboarding process, what we identify is what they think the issue is, is not the issue. It's really not the issue. Uh, and sometimes that's very surprising for them to hear. You know, I'll have a client that's coming to me and he goes, well, you know, I've got I've got issues, you know, with my competition stealing my employees. You know, I, I hate the fact that my competition is in, uh, stealing my employees. And, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I guess I just need to try to throw more money, you know, at my, my service techs and stuff like that. And then lo and behold, we find out mm, it's it, there's a reason why the competition is stealing your people is because you don't have a culture that is retaining your people. Mm -hmm. and we, need to, we need to start devoting some time to build a healthier culture where people want to stay, you know, that they want to be loyal. They want to refer their friends and family to come work at your organization. And so, mm -hmm. you know, what they think is the uh, initial problem is really just a symptom of something bigger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this reminds me, I, I know I know Tucker listens to this. So Tucker uh, Yarborough, I think I said that right. Uh, we were yeah. talking at Barefoot Roundtable last week about because that's what his his breakout session was in regards to culture and marketing and how, you know, having a tight culture can help you with not only recruitment, but also just your general, you know, your brand awareness, your marketing, all that stuff in the marketplace. And uh, we were, we were chatting and I was talking about how, when you look at Tom Brady, he was with the new England Patriots for 20, 21 years, something like that. He could have gone to any team in the NFL with, for any dollar amount that he wanted to, but he didn't, he's, he stayed there for that, amount of time for a reason and not only did he stay there though he could have made more money he stayed there he was recruiting randy moss uh you know top gun type players to come play for him and then they were sticking around too that's why you know when you have a tight culture like that people will want to come play for you want to come be your technician and the competitor could say hey you're getting 35 bucks an hour. I'll give you 40 bucks an hour plus a 5,000 sign on bonus. And if that culture is tight enough, they're going to say, Oh, that's not actually worth it. I'll just stay yeah. here. Um, Cause they know the opportunity is better. The opportunity cost is greater. Uh, and so it, that's just an example. I would kind of was kicking around and to even further that obviously, I mean, Tom Brady should have stayed there until he retired, but he didn't. And so it begs the question, well, why not? There was something in the organization that was compromised. Of course, they're not going to ever bring it to light until he finally retires. Uh, but something was compromised. There was a, another issue in the organization, like you were just mentioning, which made him think, okay, well, I could stick around here, but I'm not, and I'm leaving. Oh, and by the way, Gronk's going with him. 
And so now he's got people that are following him because something in the organization happened that made him not want to stick around any longer. Um, and so it's yeah. just, it's the same in business. Absolutely. Uh, in my organization, we, we don't shy away from having some of the tough conversations and some of the tough conversations uh, to your point is letting the, letting the contractor, the owner know, well, one of the reasons why you're having problems is you're not a very good leader. You need to be a better leader. You know, uh, we've had some very tough conversations that needed to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you can have an organization that has the best processes, the best systems, the best vans, the best installations, the best phone scripts. But if the leader is a jerk, it ain't going to happen. It's going to be on shaky ground, you know, and so we've we've had some tough conversations with, you know, the owners of, of organizations and sometimes even with their managers that it's OK. We need to stop and we need to work on your leadership development. We need to work on getting you to have the leadership skill set so that you can continue to grow your company. You can continue to maintain your company because because oftentimes you know a, a, a contractor that doesn't have really good leadership skills they'll they can grow it to a point and then they just they hit a lid mm -hmm. they hit the lid and the lid is their leadership skills and yeah. so those are tough but they're necessary conversations to have and then laying out a game plan for the leaders to to fix those issues mm -hmm. to fix those issues it's very important the better the leader is the better the organization. We just see that time and time again. They're directly yeah. related. Oh, absolutely. So what are some of those leadership skills that, you know, that good leaders have? So a couple of things that come to mind, Eric, is, you know, now more than ever, a leader needs to be what, what's often called a servant leader. So it's getting rid of the idea that, oh, I'm the boss. I have the authority. They're just going to do everything I say because I'm the boss and I can fire them and I control all the power. Today's generations, especially Gen Xers and millennials, what they're looking for is someone that is serving them, caring for them, looking out for them, protecting them. Someone that's invested not only in their professional life, but in their personal life. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a sometimes a really tough shift to make. You know, oftentimes a leader is, is spinning so many plates that and they put that stuff on the back burner. And what they don't realize is it's their people in the organization that that makes the difference. And so the more they pour into their people, the more and more the organization is going to perform better and better and better. And so it's a different mindset that servant leadership is a different mindset in terms of, ah, you my team members are my customers. And so if you have a service technician that is starting his own business, or if you had a technician that has already been an owner of a company, what they need to do is they need to go, okay, I remember what it was like when I was taking care of the customers in their homes. And, and okay, what did that look like? Well, I was very polite. I listened. I was kind. 
their concerns became my concerns. And so sometimes owners forget to still continue to do that for their new customers and their new customers are their team members. So they need to be engaging with their team members, with their managers, all the way to the front line with the same spirit. You are my VIP customers. It's no longer the homeowner because you're taking care of the homeowner on my behalf. Now it's you. I am going to treat you just as well as I treated my customers when it was at one time just me out in the field. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, that's that, that's really good stuff, especially with so many contractors out there having a hard time finding and retaining top talent because uh, it's so easy. And this is something we were talking about earlier this week, I think, on the podcast we released this week about, you know, when it gets busy, when it gets super busy and it's just we're running 100 miles an hour until the end of summer, it's so easy to just kind of almost get into this habit of run, run, run. You know, go put out fires, go fix ACs, go, we need more people, hire more people, throw them in the truck, get them out in the field that you forget that those people that are running and, you know, on behalf of your company in the homeowner's house, like that's a representation of you, your leadership abilities, and also, you know, not just the company. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the hottest topic right now and, and, you know, any forum, whether it's webinars or conferences, you name it, it's always about how do we how do we get more technicians? How do we recruit? You know, I have huge recruiting issues. But but I'll tell you this, Eric, a few years back, I did a breakout session at Service Nation when I was still a contractor. And the breakout session basically was this message. If you're running your organization properly, you will not have recruiting issues. We did not have recruiting issues at my company. Strip Matter doesn't have recruiting issues. Tucker Yarbrough does not have recruiting issues. Lou Hobica does not have recruiting issues. So while everybody in the industry is screaming and yelling that they're having a hard time recruiting people, there are many high-performing contractors that don't have that problem. And it goes back to what we're talking about. When you focus on the culture, when you focus on being a good leader, the magic happens. It solves the recruiting issues. And that's that was a disruptive message years ago. And it's still disruptive when I say it now because it's so hard to believe. People don't, you know, contractors... I was a contractor, you know, oftentimes I approach things very skeptical. What's the catch? It can't be, you know, there's no way that's possible. That's too good to be true. But it, but the power of the culture and power of good leadership in an organization solves so many of those hot issues that we're currently dealing with right now. Yeah, well, exactly. It, it's a tough pill to swallow, you know, because it's so much easier to just say, no one wants to work right now. Uh, you know, everyone's lazy. Uh, but the reality is, like you were saying, and the reason why that's probably so disruptive is because the only person responsible for your recruitment issues is yourself. And, <laughs> You're exactly right. And that's the last thing you want to hear is, well, it's your fault as the owner. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's tough to hear, but it, it's so true. And that's why those people like you were mentioning, 
that don't have recruitment issues or retention issues, it's because they've either learned that lesson the hard way or they got a coach that taught them that lesson and they get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah, Tucker. So I was visiting with Tucker Yarbrough after he did his presentation on the power of culture and solving recruiting issues. And I'm like, hey, Tucker, this this was after the conference. We're we're, you know, in the lobby at the bar and we're sitting next to each other. I'm like, dude, come on. Between you and me, do you really not have recruiting issues? And he just kind of laughed and he said, well, let me show you something. So he pulled up his uh, whatever software or hiring platform he's using. And he goes, look at all these people that are in our current pipeline that have applied or in the process of hiring. Look at look at all these. And he just scrolled, scrolled, scrolled all these people that were waiting to come on board, that were in a holding pattern, just depending upon what the position position was. And I'm like, yep, yep. Your spot, it is, you're, you're exactly right, you know, but I was, you know, the contractor me was like, come on, come on. Are you yeah. sure? And yeah, he's doing it and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's incredible. So I, on Facebook the other day, I, I saw a video of you and you had drawn this really nice looking car on a whiteboard and <laughs> there, there was some form of analogy that went along with it. So do you mind sharing what that was again? Cause I remember that being a pretty cool little analogy. Well, some of the first things we do when we when we start working uh, with with our members, uh, it, you know, we just approach it starting at thirty thousand feet. And so, a lot of times, the first thing I'll ask them is is, is hey, what what's your what was your revenue at the end of twenty twenty one? And they'll tell me their revenue. I'm like, all right, good. And what was your net profit? And the moment I hear that their net profit was below double digit, there's a problem. There's a problem. Because regardless of, I truly believe this, regardless of the size of your organization, whether you're at a million, two million, 750,000, your business should be cranking out double digit net profit. It is an investment vehicle. It's just like as if you sunk a million dollars into uh, the stock market. You know, your expectation from investing in the stock market, you, you hope that you're going to get a double digit net profit over an extended period of time. And so this is your personal investment vehicle that you're operating every single day. You Owners deserve double digit net profit. If they're not getting it, they should be very irritated. They should be really, really focused on making sure it's cranking out double digit net profit. So Oftentimes, you know, I've visited with a, a member this week and, you know, they've been averaging three to four percent over the last couple of years. And I'm like, mm, that's not good. So let's start diving in and finding out what's going on. And what we start doing is, you know, uh, we start immediately diving into the structure of their organization. How is it structured? Tell me how many service techs do you have? How many people do you have in the office? How are they compensated? OK, now let's look at your P&Ls. You know, are your P&Ls breaking out, breaking down by, you know, service, equipment? You know, are you familiar with the different percentages that apply to every line item on the P&L in terms of cost of goods sold uh, and then below the line in terms of overhead? And so what we start doing is drilling in to those specific line items and seeing what is out of alignment. What is out of alignment that's causing them to not get what they deserve, which is a double digit net profit. And 
it's the information just is just for me it's just glaring it's just boop there it is right there ah okay we've got maybe it's got some we've got some margin issues why do we have margin issues what's going on let's start diving deeper and uh it to me it's just a very simple way of identifying what can we go after first to start making the difference super fast in their organization to generate the double digit net profit that they deserve. Uh, there's so many, there's so much low hanging fruit when it comes to what, what to tweak and adjust and improve in an organization. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when they don't have somebody working with them side by side, that gives them a fresh perspective and shows them what their blind spots are. Sometimes they just, they just don't see it. Yeah. So when, when it comes to like looking at your, your profit and loss statement to try to improve that, that net profit. Um, what are some of the, like the, the leading expenses or overhead costs that contractors tend to cut first in order to try to achieve a higher profitability? Well, some of the most common ones is, uh, let's say, let's say I look at their marketing budget, you know, uh, below the line and the overhead. And I see that their marketing budget is maybe 3%, 3% of sales. And, you know, if they're in growth mode, if they're, if, you know, if they're needing to eat up market share, you know, and try to dominate their area, then their marketing budget should be higher. Mm -hmm. uh, just as in terms of general best practices. And so bear with me here just for a second, because a low marketing budget is going to keep their overhead low but that may not be what needs to take place. So going, going back to the three, three percent marketing budget. So I'll say, okay, so what are you spending money on? And we'll start diving into where they're throwing their money at. And we'll start diving into what kind of return on investment are we getting? And are you, are your, is your marketing plan, does it match where you're at on the journey of, of your contracting business, because some people are in, a, in, in the phase where they need to spend a lot of marketing funds with branding. So if they're a relatively new company, they need to spend a lot of money branding, telling the whole world, this is who we are and this is how it'll feel when you do business with us. Now, let's say uh, their marketing budget is 50, no, let's just say 10%. So let's just say it's, you know, an aggressive marketing plan. They're spending 10%, but if we look at year over year growth, they're not getting year over year growth, you know? So then we start drilling into, okay, when the phone rings, where are we losing money at? When the opportunities present themselves, where are we losing? And so, if we use that example, so let's say we have somebody that has a 10% marketing budget, which is, you know, that's affecting their overhead and, you know, creeping up, you know, into the, you know, in the 33, 34, 35% uh, overhead category as a percent of the income. It's not uncommon that we may uh, come across the fact that they have selling tax. So I'm like, okay, so you're getting the phone to ring to get your service text to go out to do tune-ups or demand calls, but how are we capturing their performance when they're given that opportunity? 
And I can tell you so often that what we find is the service techs are burning the opportunities. They're not capitalizing on them. They're not maximizing the performance that they should have when they go out on a tune-up. Or worse yet, if they go on a demand call, which should result in an equipment uh, sales opportunity, they're not converting those either. And so the, the cost of the lead is extremely high. So, I mean, basically, they're just burning their marketing money. And so yeah. then, we, then we've got a whole new set of issues. Okay, what is your accountability process for your service tax? You know, are you dispatching for profit? You know, if you have a demand call on equipment that's 12 years or older, who are you sending out there? You know, are you sending the right person out there that has the highest lead conversion rate? If they have a selling tech model where they're not flipping it to a comfort consultant, how are, what are they selling to the customer? Are they selling nothing but components? You know, if they're selling a system, are they just walking away with just a budget system, just a low end system? What, what's happening here? Because if they've got a big marketing budget and the phone is ringing, but they're burning the opportunities, that's why they don't have the revenue that they need so that proportionally the overhead will be lower. The cost of goods will be lower as a proportion to the overall revenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. And I, you're right. And you know this, though it is, you know, marketing, you know, a lot of that when it comes to the technician flipping it into an equipment sales opportunity or a maintenance agreement sales opportunity or whatever it is, that also comes back to culture. Like, do they even have an incentive to go out there and do anything beyond what's listed on their job description? Because like you said, that lead becomes super expensive. If, if that repair lead, you know, from the time they clicked your Google ad, to the time this technician showed up, say it costs 65 bucks for that lead. And they go out there and there's a $79 DX fee. And then they do a, a simple repair for 250 bucks. They waive the DX fee once they, you know, accept the repairs. What are you making on that job? 120 bucks. Mm -hmm. And then that lead just becomes so And But the thing is, does that technician have any form of incentive to offer more value to the customer other than just uh, just swap the capacitor out real quick and move on to the next job. So yeah. it, it, it all does come back to culture as well. And you can see like, yeah, you can dump as much money into marketing as you want, but if those CSRs aren't booking the calls, if those technicians aren't running the calls and looking for opportunities to offer more value to the homeowner, you're going to literally just going to be in an endless cycle of getting a lead and barely making any money off it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a, a perfect example of that. I, I was coaching one of our members. He's got five technicians and he's getting ready to go into the peak season. And so he's walking me through his technician structure and his technician compensation plan. plan. He's like, man, you know, I've got this one technician. He's like a unicorn. He, he's amazing. I wish I wish all my service techs were like him. I'm like, well, tell me about him. And he said, well, you know, out of uh, all of out of all the five service techs, technicians in my selling tech model, you know, he sells a million dollars. He sold a million dollars last year. And I said, OK, so let me get this straight. So that technician sold a million. And what are the other four averaging? 
And so he told me, and they're averaging like 200,000 for one, 500,000 for another, really, really low numbers from the other four. And I said, okay, so are you feeding this super tech all the opportunity demand calls? Is he, is he getting just the pick of the litter? And he's like, no, no, everybody just runs whatever they run. And I said, you got a problem. You got a huge problem. How have you tried to address this problem? Because if all these technicians have the same opportunities that the unicorn has, and he's maximizing the opportunities, then theoretically, how you're currently managing your technicians has cost you last year the difference between what this guy's done and the other four hasn't done. Mm -hmm. And so the real easy math that I shared with him is those four technicians, because they don't, they're not doing what they're supposed to do for whatever reason, you know, cost you $2 million in top line revenue. Because if you had five technicians that were all generating a million dollars a piece, that's the difference. And mm-hmm. of course, he cried and he threw up a little bit. No, I'm just teasing, but <laughs> he fought, he got it. He got mm-hmm. it. He's like, oh, crap. And I'm like, yeah, we got to fix this. And we got to fix this now. We got to oh, yeah. fix this before the peak season. This, this, you can't do this again. Yeah. You know, and oftentimes contractors, they just count the money that comes in. They don't count the money that they lost and you can count it. And I counted it for him. I said, look, this is what you lost. Mm-hmm. And th- from there, we developed a game plan on how he could fix that within 30 days and get, get those guys back on track. Yeah. You know, that's part of our discovery process here for us with new, new clients is, you know, what's your average What's your average ticket, you know, for service repair install uh, for each? And then just look at exactly, you know, what are you spending? How's that doing? How's that performing? How many leads is it generated? You know, what's your closing percentage? What's your booking rate? Um, And then you just do the math right there. Okay. So if your average ticket's this and you feel as if you're, you know, you've missed this many opportunities, are you aware that you could have made an additional $1.5 million last year? And it's just like, <laughs> wait, wait. It's like, yeah, that's it's a lot of money when you put it in that perspective versus just saying, oh, well, you know, we um, we just, you know, had a tough season. It's like, no, you, you can make this small change, just these, you know, these three things. And that could seriously change. I mean, it could change the, your life. Yeah. As a yeah. business owner. And yeah, give you that exactly freedom right. that you want, that money that you want. To be able to hire more people and invest more in marketing or wrap that next truck or whatever it is that you've got a vision for these small changes. If you audit them and understand what the problem is and address it, then it could literally just change the entire trajectory of your business. No, you're, 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 that's so true. You know, the, the benefits that my members get from coaching, but also for, for your members, the benefits that it sounds like you provide through rival digital where you're, you're really trying to help them. Okay. Yes, we have this service, but let's show you how specifically in your organization, you can maximize rival rival digital, you know, that, you know, high impact VIP treatment that you guys provide, 
is huge. It's huge. And, and if a contractor will just listen to you, you know, it will make a difference in their organization for sure. Yeah. Well, Tom, is there any, uh, are there any topics or, or points that you wanted to make that I, you, that we haven't hit on yet before we start closing it up? Oh my word. <laughs> you know, my heart goes out to contractors. I remember what it was like running an organization and I understand how complex it is. The, you know, the moving parts that are in play operating an HVAC or plumbing or electrical, or if you have an organization that does, you know, two or three of those, you know, it's super complex. And I, I totally understand why sometimes contractors feel overwhelmed. They don't know what gear to move. There's so many moving parts. Where, what, what do I turn first? What do I work on first? It, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming. And, you know, people from the outside, whether it's really good, you know, vendor partners like Rival Digital, or if it's, you know, it's coaching through Alliance Premier, we, we can provide that level of clarity. We can help identify the blind spots so that they can go, oh, that's this is where I need to focus on first, you know, and, and oftentimes, as I mentioned before, it may be something that they never thought of before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I just I know the battles that they go through every single day and, and anything uh, through vendor partners that we can do to help them out or myself, you know, I want to provide them because ultimately we can change their lives. They can change their team members lives. We can change their lives. We can make a big difference. We can keep them from having heart attacks. We can keep them from getting divorces. We can keep them from having health issues. We can keep them from having uh, estranged uh, relationships with their children because they're overworking and they're always gone. You know, a high performing contracting organization should be able to provide the profit, the income they need and the time to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's good stuff. I, I think that's a great way to wrap this one up. So, so Tom, if anyone listening to this out there was interested in learning more about Service Nation or Alliance Premier, what, what's a good way for them to do that? Yeah, if they just go to uh, Service Nation's uh, website, uh, they can they can see all the different services that we provide. We have several different levels of membership within Service Nation, where they can begin taking advantage of so many of our you know, uh, digital media pieces and uh, all the different types of uh, mentoring programs that we have. And of course, now that we've launched Alliance Premier, if you go to the Service Nation website, you know, you can learn more about Alliance Premier. And, uh, you know, if you want to take advantage of what we provide through Alliance Premier, uh, then we can just jump right into your business, partner up with you, work one on one and really get some stuff done. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Tom, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day uh, to come on here and chat with me. I think that there's a lot of good stuff here and, and I hope all of our listeners out there, you know, learned a thing or two. Again, if you're interested in learning more about service nation, you can head over to join.serviceroundtable.com. I'll put the link down in the comments here. And uh, there's a whole lot of good information on here about member benefits, the different events they've got coming up, uh, the different levels of membership. Uh, and then also a little shameless plug, if you are currently a member of Service Roundtable in any capacity, uh, we are a 
uh, preferred partner with Service Roundtable. So we would love to help you out for any of your marketing needs, even if it's just a conversation. I love talking to people. So even if we don't work together and you just want to, you know, bounce an idea off someone, I'm, I'm here for you. So awesome. Well, Tom, again, I thank you so much for joining me today and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too, Eric. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you're an HVAC contractor in need of digital marketing services, contact us today at www.rivaldigital.com.